Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 104 and it is Tuesday, January 9th, 2018. Yes, the first episode of the new year. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Yeah, man. Yeah, we're ringing in the new year just right. We were coming off our two-week hiatus. You know, we had to take that break, you know, after bringing that consistent hot podcast fire uh, in, in 2017. But we are back refreshed and recharged and ready to get down on some nerd culture goodness and magic and awesomeness and delightfulness. It's going to be wonderful. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yo, you're really killing my vibe, Carl. I know, I know, I know. I'm being a jerk. No, it's great. It's great to be back though. After two weeks, after two weeks, actually, like being able to sleep in on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. No more triples. Oh, okay. Fine. Down to doubles. Very good. Very good. <laughs> no, um, no, it, it felt good to get that rela- that rest. But you know, I'm ready to be. I'm ready to get back on the grind. Ready to get back into you know. Doing what I love doing, and that's recording this damn podcast. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, it's uh, it's great to be back. And you know, we've got some, we got some big plans this year for the we, podcast. Oh, we do. We ain't telling y'all nothing, but just yet. But we <clears throat> oh, definitely do. Oh yes, all in due time. All in due time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. For today, we're gonna be talking about a whole bunch of um stuff we've stuff we've been doing during our, you know, two week hiatus, like stuff we've watched, uh, stuff we've played, you know, books we've read, like things like that. Things we've gotten into the pop culture firmament, as well as some other things, as well as some other uh, uh, nerd headlines this week as well. And uh, on that note. Uh, first, before we, before we get into the podcast, I do want to say a, a big thanks to all of our uh, listeners who have and all of our uh, friends who have supported us, our show, the Codex Prime Podcast. Um, especially since since this became a two man group with Carl and I since last May, and uh, yeah, it's, it, you guys have showed us p- plenty of love and support, and we hope to provide even more great content for you all. So thank you very much for you know tuning in every week, you know joining in on the on the chat, sending emails, you know just sh- spreading love. You know it's great. Definitely, yeah. I was not expecting you to say that. Really, I'm kind of glad you did though. Of course, uh, I'm I'm glad you did. Of course, I mean, I definitely appreciate it. Like whenever I hear somebody tell me that they watch the podcast, I'm like. Fuck yeah, you do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 an awesome feeling, you know, and it's and it's awesome, you know, you know, you know, just 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 nerding out every Tuesday, you know. So yeah, and we got and we have plenty to nerd about as well. So, uh, with that said, uh, Carl, let's begin with you. What have you been up to as of late? Well, um, first of all, since I kind of. Um, Hanging with my girlfriend a lot. I watched a lot of Moana, a lot of Lilo and Stitch, a lot of Finding Dory. I can't stand them damn movies now. (laughs) Still don't understand why you cried. You did uh, Finding Dory? Yeah, I didn't. Really? Maybe because I did not pay attention to the movie like whatsoever. Well, you know, I mean, Finding Dory. I mean, well, in the beginning, you know, when she was a kid, and then Mm -hmm. she she lost her parents. So what's the problem? 
Like she, like like she she didn't like she didn't they didn't die or anything, but like she actually got separated from them and she couldn't find a way back to her parents. And she Who's was Bram? and she was a young chi- she was a young child. She was a young little fish. Like hi, my name is Dory. I have short term memory loss. And then like 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 she like she just she had short term memory loss and then she couldn't tell she couldn't tell people where her parents were. And then if you if you could, was Bram? You have no soul, man. Pretty much now. And you call me dark. But hold on. No, you're dark, though. I am. Come on. I am not as dark. As, well, what did on. you say when we was talking about Avengers Infinity War? Oh, oh, I, I, I listen. I said that when, when Avengers Infinity War comes out this May, I want to see tears in the eyes of children. Okay. And that's coming from somebody who cries at fucking finding fucking Dory. Well, listen, man. I mean, Pixar. Coco. I actually saw a meme where it just said, like, this is you when you're watching Coco, and it's just people crying. I'm like, these people are a bunch of softies. Like, no. What the hell? Listen, I've explained it thoroughly on this podcast. And when you watch Coco, when that song, Remember Me, hits, whoo, I mean, not a dry eye in that theater. And I trust him. When I buy that film on Blu-ray and add it to my collection, I will have a box of Kleenex ready again because, man, that, that film really got to me. Lion King did not get to me that way. Aladdin did not get me to get to me that way. I'm be honest Be-, with you. Lion the King, I was motivated like a motherfucker. I was like, man, I can't wait to be king. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, well, Lion King is a it's a great film, I and mean, I can't wait for the remake. But yeah, I'm so amped up for that. I'm so amped up for that remake. Yeah, you know. Oh, sp- speaking of uh, Disney remakes, um, did you hear about the news about uh, the live action remake of Aladdin? How Disney is in- is under a little bit of trouble for browning up their white extras. I. Saw the the headline, mm-hmm. but I was I was busy doing something that I didn't get a chance to like read it. I didn't get a chance to read into it. Yeah, uh, apparently, um, like Disney, like well, because you know they they've hired um, I guess Middle Eastern actors and 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 other uh, actors of color, brown actors, and so what they did was in order to fill out some of their scenes, they hired some white actors and put them in brown makeup. <laughs> Oh, you know, brown skin God. makeup and put him in the background. So it's like, ooh, that's not a good look, Disney, man. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But, I mean, I, 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 but I'll say Damn, this. Damn, Disney, like, you really got us amped up with freaking Black Panther, in which we're all probably going to be wearing, like, dashigis. And I want to come, I want to go to that movie dressed like King Joffrey Jofer. Oh, yeah, with the lion and everything. Velvet. Yeah. Beautiful velvet. Yeah. Oh, if you can find like a panther one in velvet, yo, it's gotta be the lion. Okay. I'm you, King Joffrey Joffrey. I got the snap. I got the. I'm. I got a snap in mind, ready and everything. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will be decked out in my best Nigerian garb as well on the night of Black Panther. May have to hit your pops up. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, with Aladdin, I, I gotta say, at least. You know, browning up white extras, not cool, but at least that's better than casting a white actor as the main actor, as the main character, and then just putting him in brown face. Then that would have been like a totally terrible look. But, you know, you, you, you got to, you know, step up, Disney. You can do better. Yeah, they can. That was just bad. We all make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody perfect. That's true. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of bad decisions, how'd the Cowboys do? Oh, we're, yeah, we're done. Oh, you're out of the playoffs? Yeah, we are. 
Oh, we are nine, nine and seven, a decent record, but okay. there were other at we, you know, we lost the game that we needed. So, mm. and not to mention, there could have been ways, even if we would have won that game, if other teams would have like won or lost, we would have been knocked out anyway. So, yeah, help is on the way. Indeed, uh, as as you uh, you know, you guys say we them boys. We still them boys that don't I'm make it to the never, Super Bowl. You listen. I have been a Dallas Cowboys fan since 1992. That's more than anybody that we know have been watching football. Right. So it's like that's part of my identity. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. If I was to choose another team, as you suggested, I do. I'm like, no, I'm cheating. I'm, I'm like. I'm. I feel like I'm failing as a human being. Well, I mean, you can always be a Cleveland Browns fan. That's not happening. <laughs> but I'm gonna be honest with you. I respect the fa- the fans of Cleveland. Yeah, they actually threw their. They hold on. They have had like the worst seasons like in the past like twenty something years since mm-hmm. the franchise rebuilt. Since the franchise came back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And like they are loyal as fuck. They yeah. are see here's a, these are the fans that you have to respect because they're there for the bad times. Mm. They're there for the droughts. Just like I did. I they paid their dues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unlike these Brady fans who all they know is Brady and that's it. True. You know what I mean? Just like me. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had a playoff. We only had two playoff victories since nine since ninety five. Wow. And I'm we're still there. Mm. Yeah, you guys are still America's team. Oh yeah, because we have the largest fan base like in the world. Wow, that's... we have the number one sports franchise in the world. We actually beat so many of those extra rich soccer teams that are out there. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, hey, uh, and, and I'm gonna catch some heat, but you set me up for that. Now I got. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to deal with all these Patriot fans. Yep, here we go. Ride or die. Wait, ride or die. Gotta be loud. Detroit's fine. Detroit Lions fans never won a Super Bowl, but they keep pushing. As you correct, Nick Quatrini. Oh, yeah, Big shout outs to Nick. Nick's been showing mad love. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, like, um, you know, when uh, who, who, so when when you know when this whole uh, football season ends, you know, what, what two teams do you think are gonna make it to this uh, football kingdom ninety eight or whatever it's you called? No, damn well, yo, stop being bougie. Can you please stop being bougie? What? You know it's called the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl. You literally said it like twenty minutes, like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, Super Bowl seventy five, right? Fifty two. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, which two teams do you, uh, you think are gonna square off? I can't even. T- I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. There's mm. there's some pretty good contenders out there. Like Jacksonville is doing their thing. Mm. Um, odds on New England could happen, but you New England's gonna happen. But then like you never know that said that Madden curse can finally kick in, mm-hmm. and that'll be it. Um, Pittsburgh got a shot. Okay. So I mean the Eagles. Odds are they will be eliminated, but, you know, any given Sunday, man. Yeah, that's a good movie. It is. Yeah. Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah. I could, I, Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah. I got to watch that movie again. That's actually a, a really cool uh, sports film. But, um, 
But yeah, oh, Fun, it's funny. You always said that, like you hate sports, but yet you love sports movies. I know. It's a, it's what a, is your favorite sports movie? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, favorite sports movie? Um, I'm gonna have to go with Hoop Dreams. The Criterion that you gave me that I still haven't watched. Yeah, it's a great documentary. Doc, not documentary, movie. Okay, non-documentary then. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, favorite favorite uh, sports film that's a non-documentary. Okay, I think I'll go with uh, I'll go with Field of Dreams. You know, Kevin okay. Costner. I might as well. I'll definitely say Remember the Titans. Oh, remember the Titans? That's really great. Denzel Washington can't go wrong with that. Also, of course, Rocky, the first one. Oh yeah, you can't. Yeah, um, and oh well, I I haven't seen this movie ever. I, I hear it's a childhood favorite, The Sandlot. You never saw The Sandlot? Never. You're killing me, Smalls. That's where it's from. Yeah. Huh. I thought it was like a Biggie reference, but anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, I saw the Sandlot and Target. Like, they always have copies for like five bucks on Blu-ray. Dude, why not grab it? Uh, I mean, I, I you got everything else. Well, I don't, not everything else. That's a slight exaggeration. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, what else have you been up to besides? Uh, um, okay, besides so I checked out moves? the. Um, there's this new show on the WWE Network called Photoshoot, and they actually happen to feature the Miz and. Um, Cesaro. Okay. So what they do, they would just sit down and they would just show slides of like various pictures throughout their career, and mm-hmm. they would just tell the tell the story behind it. Like um, I I always re- remember there was a a picture of that little girl who was just pissed off in the audience. Oh yeah, it yeah. was because Miz won the championship and she was pissed when he won the world championship. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was the reason why he won. That was the reason, like, they just happened, the cameras just happened to catch that one girl, little girl. I wonder mm-hmm. what she's up to. Like, I wonder if she saw that episode and just said, wow, he, Miz is talking about me. This is cool. <laughs> um, But, yeah, and then they showed, like, how different he wanted to be, how he wanted to, um, 42 was a great movie. Oh, yeah. Um, And Mighty Ducks is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um. Damn, I forgot. I didn't lose my yeah, the yeah, the Miz, Cesaro's uh, photo shoot. Yeah, and um, yeah, they just they just basically highlight yeah they highlight stories and they um highlight some pictures that they took. Mm-hmm. Um, they show pictures of Cesaro back when he had hair, when he like when he was wrestling in the Indies, out in um Europe, and when he made it over here. Mm-hmm. Um, when he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and then yeah. he was like, "Yo, I'm a Paul." He's like, "I'm not a Zeb Coulter guy." I'm a Paul Heyman guy, but then that pretty much died out because the whole um, under, uh, Brock Lesnar ending the Undertaker streak. Yeah, you know that was gaining so so much momentum that they just kind of like shelved Cesaro. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, and then not to mention back to the Miz where they had uh, remember when he flipped out on talking smack. Yep. When Daniel Bryan called him a coward, and he's and he was like he was so in the moment that he actually thought Daniel Bryan was gonna punch him in the face. Oh yeah. Oh, Dan Bryan thought it was a shoot at that moment, right? He thought it was a shoot. Like he th- he was gonna he was going with it, mm-hmm. but he was he like it was real, but then it wasn't. Yeah, like there was like there was a grain of truth in that. Right. Yeah. Right. So like, and then once Daniel Bryan left, he's like, "Oh shit, what do I do?" And then that's when he just like kept going and going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And then it pretty much I can you would you say that it kind of propelled Miz even? I think I def- it definitely did. 
Yeah, like that that worked shoot promo against Daniel yeah, Bryan. Yeah, it, it was like really a, it was like it was Miz's pipe bomb. Yeah, it was. It was Miz's "I am the game" speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, so they had like I think I think you should check it out. It's actually pretty. Yeah, it's pretty cool where you can like see like old pictures of them. They tell the backstories of them. They actually tell a little bit about where they came from, mm-hmm. and you know, and and sorts. So yeah, definitely check that out. Okay. Um, I also checked out. Um, I didn't get a chance to see the second one, but Dave Chappelle's equ- Equanimity. Equanimity. Thank you. Yep. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> like, <clears throat> damn. I'm afraid to tell jokes because I'm afraid I'm going to ruin them. Yeah. But I mean, when he was talking about like how um, he was talking to the uh, talk about the um, the audience member who was afraid, who was offended by the um, oh by his uh, transgender joke. Yeah, that, that was good. Oh yeah, like there was a fan that wrote him that wrote him a letter. Very nice letter, but then yeah. he's like, "But well, what bothered me was," and he was offended by the transgender joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Then there was like. Then he actually told the story about um Emmett Till. Yeah. How he closed out, and then he was like, well, "How it turned out, like the woman that on her deathbed she revealed that she lied about the whole thing, and she yeah. said what everybody was saying. Mm-hmm. You lying bitch." Mm-hmm. But then it was like, but it was because of that lie that all everything and so, you know the civil rights, everything in the civil rights movement have happened, mm-hmm. and then we wouldn't have what we have today. True, yeah. So it was like it makes sense, but at the same time, I'm like you lying bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wish he said that too, but um, yeah, it was. It's definitely great. It's definitely great. Dave Chappelle still got it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, I can't wait to see the was it the rap. Uh, the bird revelation. The bird revelation. Where the hell did rabbit come from? <laughs> you know, uh, I will say with the with the bird revelation, it's uh, it's definitely not as like haha funny as equ- equanimity. Probably because probably because it's in a small comedy club. Uh, not not you just. Think, you think that would have something to do with it? Because I started to watch it, and then like we had to go somewhere, and I suck. Yeah, it, not not just that. Uh, although that's that's probably part of it, but also like it was more like him just like rambling like his thoughts out loud on stage. So it's kind of like a stream stream of consciousness thing, where it's just like oh thoughts like whatever whatever's like percolating in his brain, just like put it on the microphone. But you gotta understand, Dave Chappelle's forty four now. Like yeah. we're not gonna get thirty something Dave. Who's doing the racial draft and the play haters ball, which is my favorite Chappelle Chappelle show skit. Mm. You know, we're not gonna get we're not gonna get that. He's at an entirely he's an entirely different mindset. That's true, he is. So but regardless, he's is still hilarious. It it is. Like uh I like I would say like equanimity especially. I actually enjoyed that more than his previous two. Uh really? Stand ups and his previous two were, were funny, but yeah. equanimity for me, like it kind of hit like a, a little slightly higher bar uh, in terms of like the like, like the consistent humor. And especially like I, I was cracking up like on his um references to Rachel Dolezal, that that, that <laughs> white woman who, who tried to pass. Uh, the I black. remember Rachel Dolezal because I remember yeah. there was an ask, there was a trending um hashtag going on called Ask Rachel, mm-hmm. and then they would ask like think, questions of black culture. Mm-hmm. And he goes, is it called a remote control or a remote control? Mm-hmm. Hashtag ask Rachel. Yeah. Because, you know, Rachel, you know, posed as being black that she would know. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. But, 
I mean, I guess if you identify, I guess well, that's the thing now. If you identify as whatever, you can be whatever. Like, well, that that has limits. Like when it, it does, when it, it does. Like when it comes to ethnicity, you cannot pull that off. No, you with ethnicity, you cannot change that at all. Yeah. That's that's your blood. That's your lineage. You are what you are. So, so that's like me passing off passing off as like Dominican. That can't happen. No. 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 Not at all. Mm-mm. Or or that's like the, or that's like you passing off as German. Boris Kojo. Oh yeah, he he's half German, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it makes sense given given his name. But like, but y- y- you know what I mean, though. It's like <laughs> no, I know, I know what you mean. I've been I've been mistaken for like other races before. I've been mistaken for Dominican. I've been res- mistaken for Cape Verdean. The yeah. oddest one, I was mistaken for Indian. Really? Yeah, that actually was recent. It was like a month ago, maybe like a month or two ago. Like Indian as in from India or Yeah. N- really? Huh. I would not know. I was I was shocked. Like I could kind of understand maybe Native American maybe, but Yeah, I got I got some Native American in me somewhere in it, somewhere in my lineage, but Okay. Like but yeah, Indian. Yeah, there's this girl, uh, shout out to Bad- Padu. Mm-hmm. I met her at Walmart and I just, you know, said hi to her, whatever, walking by. And she said, Excuse me, are you Indian? No, that's different. <laughs> like, I'm like, hold on, I got to, let me still, let me talk to her. I got to see where this is going. And we ended up having a little nice conversation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird world we live in sometimes. Who are you, ta- who are you telling? Mm. So um, I. Okay, another thing I did, I started my MCU week by week. Oh, okay. So last week was the first Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I'm currently working on Incredible Hulk. All right. So next, I'm going to need Iron Man 2. Was that next in the MCU lineup? Uh, Yeah, it was. Okay. So the thing is, if you watched all the Marvel, all the MCU movies mm-hmm. week by week, by the time you get to the last one, Infinity Wars will be out. Yeah, that's true. Yep, we did post that on our Facebook page. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I post so much stuff on that thing, I can't even keep track of it anymore. Yeah. Well, I posted that uh, Marvel. Uh, did you? Thing. Yeah, I did. I, I got to look back on it. Yeah. But Wow, so you're actually going through the entire MCU catalog. I am. Yeah, even the bad ones. I will do so. Well, even like... Listen, they're not bad. They have hits. Or, they're not all hits. Mm-hmm. They're minor hits. Well, I will say like they're they're not DCEU bad. Like, but can you even get that bad? Oh uh, man! Like, think about it. Can you really get that bad? Well, so far with Marvel, they've uh, like there are certain Marvel films that for me like have been mediocre. Like Thor, Thor, me, Thor I think Dark Marvel World. has been like the. Li- the worst they have been um, was mediocre. Yeah, like Thor. Other than that, they World, have Thor: The Dark World, Iron Fist, uh, Guardians Two. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, you got hits. Yeah, just hits, hits, hits all across the board. Cause they're doing it right. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They do. Like they're hiring the right people. Hmm. Although, like I said, you know, now that Disney has bought Fox, well, they're they're not touching. They're not going to touch Deadpool. They made. They actually are open to having like a rated R division. Okay, well, that's good. But like in the long run, I I, I think it's I think we're it's going to hurt us in the long run as like fans and as consumers. 
because Disney's buying up all these studios. They they can't buy the people, anymore. The People's Republic of Disney is coming. Uh, that's scary, man. It's, it it's like, yo, it's it, it is. It's like I. It's like and I, the thing is, the Disney family's just sitting back, chilling. And that's a scary thing, though. That's not good. No, no one family or conglomerate should have all that power. There should not be a monopoly like that. The the Queen of England's family was it the Windsors? Is that their name? That that's that's different. The constitutional monarchy. But anyway, <laughs> it's. I mean, think think about it, man. Good. Like. With with Marvel, since this Disney owns Marvel, and supposedly Disney go, get, get, regains all their properties back, who knows? They'll probably just get. They probably just did that just to get certain properties, and they'll probably just sell it back. No, they're they're not going to do that. They're going to hold on yeah. each each and every one. I mean, they right. want that power. But I actually saw I saw a meme. It was um apparently in an, in an episode of The Simpsons, Bart Simpson put a black bra on his head, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Look, Ma, I'm the mascot of an evil corporation." Disney now owns this joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember that on The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, the Simpsons predicted that. Yeah, and look at them now. Now Simpsons is owned by Disney. Yeah, I saw another meme where it had Darth Vader bowing, mm-hmm. and Mickey. He's bowing to Mickey Mouse, saying, "Who's your daddy?" Just case in point. I mean, I mean, think about it, like, like. Like when you, when you have like X Men coming out and um, fu- like future X Men films under under the Disney Marvel Studios banner or like uh, they could be better than Apocalypse. Oh yeah, they could be, but <laughs> but but in the long run, like when you think better about it, in the first Wolverine Origins. True. Yeah, absolutely. But when you think about it, like in the long run, do you really want to see every single Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe film, like X Men included? Look, have the same visual style, have the same unmemorable musical scores, have the same you know narrative pattern of the same safe you know the same safe you know twists. But like I like, said, but like I said, they're open to having rated R movies, right? But but that's so but, it could that's, have, like. But it, that's despite, that's kind of beside the point, though. That's the thing we never we really don't know what they're gonna do. We are not in those boardrooms. It's knowing what's what's going on. And Marvel, unlike DC, they listen to their fans. To a point. But they still listen. Do, does DC listen to their fans? Look at the products that they got now. Even their CW shows aren't really popping like that anymore. Well, I hear that the Arrowverse is consistently good. Like, good, maybe not great, but good at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess, but um, like, come on now, we got Black Lightning coming out. Yeah, I'm. I'm cur- what are- I have not seen not one. Listen, everybody's amped for Black Panther. Oh, Lord yeah. knows I am. I am too. Nobody gives a shit about Black Lightning. Well, if they, if anything, what they should have done mm-hmm. was made a Static Shock TV show. Yeah, it could still happen. I never heard of Black Black Lightning. I thought Black Lightning was an original character for TV. Maybe. I'll get. I can't even tell you. You know, I'll give it a fair shot. You're the DC. You're you're the DC reader. Well, of DC Rebirth, I'll get into that in a bit. But um, but yeah, I'll give Black Lightning a fair chance. You know who plays him? Who? Scooter from Living Single. Don't ask me what his real name is. I just remember him as Scooter from Living Single. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name either. But <laughs> hey, hey, good, good on him that he's getting work. I, I just think like, yo, 
people would have been more people would have been people would have been more excited to see Static Shock instead of Black Lightning. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Black Lightning probably sounds like a much grown version of Static Shock. Yeah. Or like a black exploitation film. Definitely that. <laughs> Definitely that. Oh man. Oh, speaking of black exploitation, have you seen Black Dynamite yet? I still haven't. You gotta see Black I Dynamite. Catch, I've caught I've caught like episodes here and there because you know the cartoon and stuff. Well, the cartoon I haven't seen the cartoon to be fair, but the movie Black Dynamite. I you, just haven't had the chance to. Oh man, dude, you gotta check that out. Yeah, I heard it was freaking amazing. Yes. So I, it is. Oh, Quincy Thomas says Black Lightning was before Static Shock. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's probably from the Milestone comic line. I don't think so. Um, I'll have to look. I'll have to look it yeah, up. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anything else? Um, let me see. Week by week, I'll save that. I picked up. So I'm in the process of trying to collect all the retro novelty systems. Mm-hmm. So the Super NES Classic is being a complete bitch right now. Uh huh. And so I'm like, you know what? In the meantime, I picked up the Sega Flashback system. Okay. All right. Um it's an okay system for, you know, for you know, its price. Mm-hmm. 40 yeah, I got it for what 40 50 bucks including taxes and stuff. Oh, that's pretty good. And it has the first three Mortal Combats, which I'm completely like amped about, which I was completely amped about. Mm-hmm. Um his name is Cress Williams. Shout out to Noah Heather. Yeah. Black Light Black Magdalene. Okay. Scooter. Oh, the actor. Okay. Cress thank Williams. You. <laughs> oh, thank you, Heather. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah, but they did not have the games that I really, really wanted. Like the games that I grew up playing, which was the all three Streets of Rage games. Okay. The Lion King. Yeah, that's a good one. And Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. I'm not expecting I wasn't expecting him to have it. Yeah. But I would have loved to. I would love to play that again. But the cool feature about that is that you, can, if you can actually get your hands on an actual Sega Genesis cartridge, mm-hmm. you can actually put it in and play it. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. I went by the Toy Vault to see if they have those. They didn't have them, unfortunately. Those specific specific, uh, specific titles. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't. But I do have somebody who can let me know nice. who it is. I got. A, I got a little. Inside, I got a little insider, so that's what I'm looking forward to getting. But um, they have like what about eighty games? All right, eighty games. Vector Man was one of them. Comic Zone was one of them. Yeah, Comic Zone was pretty dope. That was that game was hard as hell though. It was. I I couldn't even make it past the first level, and it's just so like first of all, the controllers out of say it had the six button controllers. Yep. So it was just like you know me trying to do those um. There's only one fatality in Mortal Kombat I can do mm-hmm. that I basically only tried doing. And yeah. that was the um, Luke Kang's Dragon Snack. Okay. That was the only one I still memorize to this day. <laughs> All right. But it was it was just like getting, you know, getting back into the groove of things. Like You can actually definitely feel like there was a huge jump mm-hmm. as far as mechanics when it comes to Mortal, from going from Mortal Kombat 2 to 3. Yeah. Where it's like everything was just much faster and much more loose and pretty much like what we're used to nowadays. Mm. Um Mortal the first Mortal Kombat, oh my god, it was slow. Like I really felt thought like I spilled Kool-Aid in my controller and the controller got all sticky and stuff. <laughs> um but I mean, yeah, if you're into the retro games, I say get it. 
Mm. You know, I actually do plan on getting the Atari one, so I'm I expect very way less because you know it was Atari. Yeah. You know, it was back in the early eighties, late seventies, mm. early eighties. So I'm not expecting so much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it's one of those things that's just cool to have. Yeah. And since you know, I got the since I went through went through so much trouble getting the NES Classic. Mm. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna. I'm, I think it's just worth getting all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so, what's up. That. Um, a quick little throwback. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to point out. I this came on while I was working my overnight Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I can probably be able to nod off. Nope, the Jackson's American Dream was on Real, VH1 again. again. Oh yeah, it cut, yeah. It, I haven't watched it in like years though. Mm. Like I, I, I actually, um, my dad he taped it when it first came on, mm-hmm. and I, me, my sisters, and my cousins, we wore that tape. Well, we, we, yeah, we wore it out. Mm. We know that movie word for word. Wow, you've seen it that many times. Yeah, we did. Oh man. And yeah, we didn't go. Yeah, we didn't go to the video store often. <laughs> Man, remember back in the days? Back in the days when you, when you had to tape stuff off TV. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much did that up to like oh five. Oh wow. With like wrestling pay per views and stuff. Uh. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It was just cool to watch. It was just cool to watch it again, and just see, and then just you know watching like Wiley Draper who played adult Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, he died like what two, two, three years later. Oh wow! To leukemia. Damn. So it's like, and I have not seen until this day. I still have not seen a better, like Michael Jackson casting. What about Flex Alexander? Which his movie actually picks up from where American Dream left off, and that was awful. Yeah, it was. That movie made Michael <laughs> Jackson look like a goddamn lunatic. It did. Like I knew he wasn't quite right in the head but jesus christ they just like turned that they turned it all the way up to 10 on that one Mm. and i just like i refuse to watch it now like i remember watching like 20 minutes of it on tv because you watched too much i know i did because that movie is just as bad as jennifer lopez in the cell uh well the cell was just the cell committed the sin of being boring but the cell committed the sin of being born (laughs) damn well, you really don't like that movie, do you? That was awful. Uh, no that argument. Was awful. Uh, no argument here. I mean, yeah. I didn't even understand it. Yeah, there was nothing to understand, really. I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio being a weirdo. I like, well, and I like Vincent D'Onofrio. He, yeah, he's a damn good actor. He, he, uh, he did it for the check. Yeah. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he did it for the check. Yep. Wow. So, yeah. That's 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 about it, Carl. Yeah, or? this probably is gonna segue into what you've been up to, so I can finish, you know, um, sharing these, <laughs> sharing the episode. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom twelve. Yes, yes, Wrestle Kingdom twelve, man. Okay, I had plans of getting up at two in the morning, mm-hmm. finding some links, yep, and watching it. Okay, that did not happen. I got up at five when <laughs> as normal. Well, when my alarm went off, and that's when I remember, like, oh my god, I'm supposed—I forgot to set my alarm. Mm-hmm. So, 
I caught. I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need your help on some of the names because you're much more familiar with New Japan than I was. Yeah. So by the time I woke up, I was in the middle of the uh, Fatal Four Way match, which was which included uh, Will Osprey versus Marty yeah. Skrull, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida. Fire. Yes. You saw the whole match. It was in the middle of it. Okay. Right. It was in the middle of it when I turned it when I got the link and turned it on. But I mean. If you ain't watching New Japan, get on it. Yes, now is the time. Get on. As a matter of fact, if you're not watching, if you if you stopped watching wrestling at all, mm-hmm. this is the perfect time to get into it. Whether it be New Japan, WWE, Ring of Honor, or the or the Indies. Yeah, absolutely. Like the array of talent that is out right now mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. With no no doubt about it. Like, like you have like a whole, you have like a whole bunch of options to choose from when it comes to wrestling now. Exactly. I mean, the WWE is the much more convenient one, you know, with the network and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's still so much out there. Yeah, and uh, and and yeah, like, um, should I run down the whole card? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah go on ahead. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom 12 uh, took place in the Tokyo Dome uh, last Thursday, January 4th. Legendary Tokyo Dome. Oh, yes. So many like great matches throughout the years. Have. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Wrestle Kingdom... What's for- up, Kyle? Yeah, welcome Kyle to the chat. Uh, for those who don't know, Wrestle Kingdom 12 is like is New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest annual event of the year. Their WrestleMania. Yep, it's their WrestleMania. And... Uh, and after watching Wrestle Kingdom 12, well, WrestleMania this year has a whole lot to catch up to. And uh, I got to tell you, man, this this I had I had the pleasure of watching this entire event and this this event was just straight fuego, fire from top to bottom. Uh, the only match I did not see was on the pre-show. That was the uh, New Japan Rumble, but apparently um a wrestler uh, Masahiro Kakihara was the winner of this uh, New Japan Rumble on the pre-show. Uh, but I did manage to see uh, the from the opening bout all the way to the incredible main event. Uh, we had the uh, IWGP Junior Heavy Heavyweight Tag Team t- Championship match with uh, the Young Bucks versus uh, Rapongi 3K showing Yo, who are the, the the defending champions, and that was a very good tag team match. Like the Young Bucks, I've I've heard a lot about them like throughout the years. Like uh, apparently they're. Um, uh, pre- pre- prior to this match, I think there were six-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, yeah. and like they were like rocking it in the Indies. Uh, the Hardys even even wrestled them at one point, uh, uh, stateside. And uh, yeah, like I I I heard so much about them, but I never got to see them wrestle. But this so this was my first Young Bucks match that I've seen them in, and I'm and I'm after seeing it, I'm like, yo, I can see why the Young Bucks are like are have such a big fan base on the you know. Uh, on the non WWE wrestling scene because right. they're a tight tag. They team. are like the and these these kids are like young. They're like what? Not even twenty five even. They're, yeah, they yeah still. I would I would say twenty five. Yeah, maybe about that. Making look it up, but yo these these two kids, man, they they have what it takes. Like they light up the tag team scene like nobody's business. I can see the hype behind them because they had a terrific match against Rapongi three K. And um, do you mind if I go over the results too? Um. No, I don't mind. Yeah. Matt is 32 and Nick is 28. They're actually brothers. 
Oh wow, wow! They look they look way younger than their ages. I thought they were like in their early twenties, but even even so, like these these two cats, man, they're 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 just, they're just they were trained by Marty Jannetty. Wow, <laughs> wow! Hey, Marty Jannetty did did great work apparently because like these these two cats are killing it, and like their match against Rapongi Three K was terrific, and it was great tag team wrestling. And uh, the Young Bucks they managed to uh, pull the big win, and they managed to reclaim the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles for the seventh time, and hey, well well earned. Um, then afterwards, you had an afterwards there was a gauntlet match. Uh, for the never open weight six man tag team championship, so it was a gauntlet match between multiple teams. So you had um, the defending team Bullet Club, who are the uh, never open weight six man tag team champions, which consisted of Bad Luck Fale, mm-hmm. Tama Tonga, and Tonga Loa. Tama Tonga, famous. He has a famous father. Yep, which is Haku, right? Right. Yep, and uh, they were they they competed against uh, Michael Elgin and War Machine. Uh, and Suzuki Gun, which consisted of Tai Chi, Takashi Izuka, and Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, Taguchi Japan, which consisted of uh, Juice Robinson, who you remember as CJ Parker from NXT. All right. Uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and Togi Makabe. And uh, they all they all competed in this gauntlet match. But the ultimate winners of this gauntlet match and the six-man tag team championship titles was Chaos, which consisted of the team of Beretta, Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yanu. Oh, okay. And this was a really cool gauntlet match. It was like great back and forth, great finishers, uh, which great eliminations throughout the match. You definitely was not trying to get up that early just to watch this. Oh no. I I like uh last it was worth it. It was it was it was, it was worth it because you were you don't have to worry about you didn't have to worry about like spoilers and stuff or who won this, who won that and stuff. Right. And like when I watched it, it was last Thursday when that big blizzard hit 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 us. <laughs> And like so, we were all snowed in. So luckily, it was perfect timing. So I when I woke you up, you were snowed in. Yeah, I, know. I still I, had to work. Damn, yeah, that sucked. But yeah, like um, I managed to uh, find a nice link through some through some uh, insider contacts, and uh, I managed to watch uh, this event uh, on Daily Motion. And uh, this match was incredible as well. Um, also, there was a really good match between uh, Kota Ibushi, one of the greatest, uh, very best wrestlers he in the was world. On the sh- Kota Ibushi, who had a one-on-one match against Cody, who was accompanied by his lovely wife, Brandy Rhodes. And Cody was definitely cl- the clear heel in this match. Um, I would say, like... Uh, um, I'm going to need that link. Yeah, it was a very good it was a, it was was a very good match. I will say that Cody... Kota Ibushi is a beast. Yes, he is. I, Yo, I've never watched him until the Cruiserweight Classic with his match against Cedric Alexander. And even that one, I, put, I would label it as my personal classic. Yeah, hey, I I wouldn't no arguments here. Like I will say this, yo, Kota Ibushi did the smartest thing by not signing with WWE yeah. because he would have been wasting away on two hundred five live, yeah. and oh, that would have made me so angry. But yo, Kota Ibushi and, and Cody, he said he's still down to do like some, uh, you know, a couple of WWE appearances and matches here or there. Yeah, which is which is a smart thing, like freelance. I'm cool, I'm cool with that. Oh yeah, me too, and like. Yo, like um, they had a, they had a very good match. Cody, he was the clear heel. Um, I, I I do like I do like Cody, like his his hustle on the indies, trying to build you know build. Yeah, his he's stock building himself. Yeah, he leaves WWE because they're not doing shit with him, mm-hmm. and then he's he left, building himself in the indies, building himself in Japan. So he's becoming an even bigger star. So guess what? He's gonna come right back to WWE and be like, listen, I'm main event caliber now. Yeah, which is a, which is the smartest play, and also I will say th- I will say though that um, 
and and this this is not insulting Cody in any way. I do think that pe- I do think that fans are kind of overrating Cody a little bit because I think he's very very good, but is he great? Not yet. I think he has the, all. He has time to build. Just, yeah, he has a, he has all the markings, all the elements to be like. And he's young like, great. Too. He's young. He's, he's young, like, so he's got plenty of time. Yeah, he's, he's like, like around like yeah, around our age, our age, right? Yeah, so like he has like the skills to be great, but like he's 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 close, he's close. But like you know, I think fans should be careful about like overrating you know his worth. But like that's not taking away anything away from Cody. But Cody, he's thirty two. He's younger than us. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but Kota Ibushi, he did he did uh, claim the victory in this match, but it was very good. Um, there was some cool heel shenanigans that Cody and his wife Brandy pulled off in the match, which I thought was pretty humorous, which kind of fit his character into a T. And you know, Brent, and you know, Cody Rhodes, he came in with the beach blonde hair, which kind of made him look like a big tool douchebag, which <laughs> added, which added to his heelishness, which I kind of liked too. Uh, maybe it could be a tribute to his pops. I didn't see. I didn't think of it that way. You know, I, I mean, it could be a tribute to his pops and his brother, but also like, come on, Cody. But that's, the dude looks just like his mother, though. The, oh yeah, yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. But but hey, man. Uh, hey, big ups on on both athletes. Um, then you had a a I'm so re- mad I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Then you had the uh, IWGP Tag Team Championship, where you had the Killer Elite Squad defending champions, consisting of Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, Damn it! He was on the card. Too? Yep, he was on the card. Uh, they were defending their. Harry cha- Smith was on the card. Damn. Yeah, Harry Smith. Uh, he, uh, they were defending their uh, tag team championships against the team of Los Ingobernables de Japan, uh, Evil and Sonata. The the team of Evil and Sonata. That this was a really good tag team contest. And yo, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Yo, he looks just like his pops, but yo, he's every bit as talented and more. Yeah. Like, like I uh, yeah he he just kind of ruined his WWE opportunity. He could have been like he could have had so much more opportunities. Oh yeah, how did he ruin it? I uh, um he failed drug test. Ah damn, that sucks. But yeah, like hey, um he's he's coming up in a major way. Like in fact, like David Boy, David Boy Smith Jr. Like he 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 kind he came up with like the jeans and the boots and the socks. He kind of looked like his father did in the Attitude, Attitude Era. Attitude Era. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that was a nice tribute. But yeah, this was a really good tag team match. Um, at the end, um, uh, Evil and Sonata did did get the victory. They did uh, become the new tag team champions. But uh, the Killer Elite Squad gave them a hell of a fight. Good. Yeah, because and Lance Archer, man, this dude was like a nasty piece of work in this match too, healing it up too. So, yeah, big ups on on him as well. Then you had a a, a hair versus hair match with uh, Hiroki Goto versus Minoru Suzuki. And if you've if you've never heard of Minoru Suzuki, and he and, and he was actually defending his his championship, hit the never open weight championship. Mm-hmm. Minoru Suzuki, like he's he's like a sadistic dude. Like he's got he's got like a shaved shaved head, like a little like mohawk in the back, and like like his his whole gimmick is like he his whole his whole gimmick is like taking pleasure in like hurting people. He's like a complete sociopath. Okay, and like. And you know, going into this contest with Hiroki Goto, he's, he's like the, like the clear baby face. Um, this was a really cool match. Um, uh, Minoru Suzuki, he was definitely like the clear heel, but you could tell like uh, he has a lot of respect from the fans. At the end, he did lose the match and he lost his championship. So at the end, you know, as per the stipulation, it was hair versus hair, so he had to shave off the remaining bits of his hair. So, um, so uh, in 
so so uh, so and, and as as a result, You're right? <laughs> you catching yeah. a stroke, are you? I I know I'm, I've had a brain fart. So as a result, uh, uh, Suzuki, you know, he felt shame. Mm-hmm. So he he t- he got he got the clippers. He he shaved off the remaining bits of his mohawk, put it down on the put put the remaining bits of his hair on the chair and stormed out of the ring. And um, and Hiroki Goto uh, left with the uh, never open weight championship. So well earned, well earned. Uh, then you had uh, then we were getting to some of the the, the best matches of the night and, and an already great card. You had the fatal four way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Okay, now I woke up in the middle. I woke up in the middle of this. And and you saw a good you saw a good bit of that match, but yeah. definitely watch it from the beginning because yo. This match, you had uh, Marty Skrull, who was the uh, defending IWGP uh, uh, Junior Heavyweight Champion, defending against Hiromu Takahashi, Kushida, and Will Ospreay. I'm a fan of Will Ospreay. Yo, Will Ospreay. I like, I like Will Ospreay. Yo, yeah, Will Ospreay is the truth. And yo, this fatal four-way match is what 205 Live wishes it could be, but can never be. And mostly because of Vince McMahon. But yo... This this match was definitely like one of my match of matches of the year already. Like Will Ospreay, you know, Marty uh, Marty Skrull, Takahashi Kushida, they pulled off some awesome work in this match. Like the the work rate in this match was just incredible. It's like, yo, this is what we should be seeing on 205 Live every yeah. week. But thankfully we have New Japan to pick up the slack. And at the end Will uh, Will Ospreay, he managed to uh, get the victory. And become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Very much deserved because this dude is an incredible athlete. I was like, wow. I was yeah. like, I, I woke up entertained. Mm. Like I still had like crust in my eyes and stuff from sleeping extra good and stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, I was mad, mad because I didn't get up when I wanted to. Yeah. But like I woke up at a at a right at the right time just to catch that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you did, man. And Will Ospreay, yo, uh, he's definitely championship material. And I will say this though, like, I would have no problem like seeing him like on on NXT. But Will Ospreay, if he's watching somehow, one, thank you, and two, stay as far away from the WWE main roster as you can because two hundred five live is a death sentence. It's a death sentence to to talented individuals. So you're cool where you are. Be go to NXT if you want to be close to the WWE, you know, bandwagon, but stay away from the main roster because they're not going to do you no favors. <laughs> so yeah, you got to blame Vince. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put blame on Triple H because yeah. Triple H. I think I like what Triple H is doing. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of that influences Vince. Yeah, it is. It, unfortunately. All right. All right, but keep going. Yeah. So you had uh, three more matches on the card here. You okay. had the. Uh, IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Okay. You had a, I had to get ready for work in this one. Yeah, you had a Jay White uh, challenging the champion, uh, the John Cena of New Japan, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, I, I call I, I call Tanahashi the the John Cena of New Japan because he's been around for as long as John Cena. He's like the big you know franchise player, the workhorse, and uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much the reason why, but yo, they both had a really good match. Uh, Jay White is has incredible incredible talent and potential to be a major player. Uh, but at the end at the end of the day, um, in a well fought contest, Tanahashi still retained the Intercontinental Championship. And yo, 
I gotta say, man, I was expecting Jay White to win, but I was pleased that Tanashi. Did won you see too. the video of um, Jay White? I'm not sure if this was before or after. I saw it after uh, Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, um, Jay White and Kenny Omega in the ring. Jay White was about to join the Bullet Club. I heard about that, but I didn't see it. And then he it. just uh, hits him with, I don't know what he calls his finisher, but it's basically Sister Abigail's kiss. Oh, wow. Okay. He hit Kenny Omega with it. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's not joining the Bullet Club, but he's gonna. Oh. I guess he's going to be a rival to the Bullet Club. Okay. All like, right. he's basically pulling the DDP oh. to the NWO. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, when DDP diamond cutter uh, right. Scott Hall. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a great moment. But yeah, a great match. And then you had uh, one of my my second match of the year, which Listen. you know you you had the pleasure of watching two in full. And this was Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship in a no disqualification match. Carl, since you've seen it in full. Give us your thoughts on this on this contest. Man, I saw it live. You saw it live, dude. Man, like it, it definitely lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. It really did. It really, really did. My only concern was like I didn't want it to be a no disqualification match. I wanted it to be a like a legit match. I wanted to see some like wrestling skill between mm-hmm. the both of them. Like it was something like on the level of. Um, Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero back when they were in New Japan. Mm, yeah. Like, that's what I wanted to see. Believe me, don't get me wrong, I am happy with what I got. I'm more than happy with what I got. But yeah. that was what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And those two, even Chris Jericho at 47 years, at 47 years of age, mm-hmm. delivered. Absolutely. Yo, like... Yo, Chris Jericho, he calls himself the GOAT. And you know what? He is. He is. He is. like... Because like he's been in the game for like twenty seven years, and he's managed to reinvent himself and stay like relevant and relevant. fresh. And in this match, yo, Chris Jericho left for a few years at yeah. one point. Yep, yeah, and still came in like he like he never lost a step. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, never lost a step. And like Jericho's already on a high elite level, and after this match, he's even higher. higher. And that's saying I don't something. Think he can go any higher. I I don't even know like. Like if if Jericho goes any higher, then he should compete for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Right. But yo, which like, I think he can. He could. He, he could. And and especially and not just him, like Kenny Omega. Yo, if you haven't seen any of Kenny Omega's matches, you are missing out on a on a once in a lifetime talent in ring talent. Like this dude is just a savant in the ring, and like. The hype is real. Like if you if if you're a wrestling if you, even if you like have like a casual you know knowledge of wrestling and you've probably heard the name Kenny Omega and, you, and you're probably like oh oh what's I don't I don't get what's the hype. Watch this one of his match. matches. Watch this match watch alone. This match. Yeah, this match alone could make you a Kenny Omega fan. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen and I've seen like, several Kenny Omega uh, matches like uh, in in the last couple of years. But this match, yo, this match raised the bar. And there were some great spots in in the match too. Like for example. Uh, like Chris Jericho being a complete douchebag heel, assaulting the referee Red Shoes and his son, yeah. <laughs> putting up uh, and, and then uh, and you know you know bless Chris Jericho. It's been so long since we've seen a proper lion tamer applied. Yeah, yeah, not the walls of Jericho, which is just a Boston crab. I'm talking about the mm-hmm. elevated Boston crab when he digs, he his, digs knee his knee into the in, back, into the back of your neck, bridges your your back. Oh, beautiful. That brought me back to WCW. 
but man, and 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 Kenny Omega, like he hit some awesome moves. Like um, he hit him with the he hit him with this one move at, at one point. It was like um, like he 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 wrapped he he got him in a, he he lifted, he lifted him up by his knee, like like going for like an atomic drop, yeah. and then he like turned him turned him around midair and then dropped him right on his knee like a shoulder breaker neck breaker yeah. combo, which was like a sick move. Yeah. Like I said, if there's any time to get back into wrestling, to get either into wrestling or get back into wrestling, mm-hmm. now's the time. Absolutely, now is the time. And then, and Kenny Omega's finishing move is the illest, the one-winged angel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially how he, he hit it perfectly on the mark on the chair. Like he put, some, put Chris Jericho up in the electric chair, folded him up into like a Ford DVD, Death yeah. Valley Driver, onto the chair, bam, one, two, three. Kenny Omega picks up the victory in a match of the year candidate for sure. Okay, yeah, just watched the ESPN doc on Scott Hall and he killed the guy. Yeah, if you watch uh, Living on the Razor's Edge, Nick, uh, which is the documentary about Scott Hall, they definitely go into that deep into that story where he, Scott Hall actually killed somebody oh, really? in self defense. You never seen it? None. Oh, it's on the network. Oh wow. Yeah, it's on the network. Hmm. Which was the which led to his you know his addiction and his pretty pretty much his downfall his downwards his up roller coaster ride that's that he calls life. Oh wow, dang! I gotta I gotta catch that. Yeah, very yeah, it was very it's very honest. So I highly recommend you check that out as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, but and on to the main event that I just finished watching before we. That's why we started late. Yeah, and it was worth the wait, man. It was. Cause this Sorry, y'all. Yeah, uh, the, and we get to the main event, which is my third match of the year of 2018 already. We didn't even get to Royal Rumble yet. For real. <laughs> um, and this was for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, where you had Tetsuya Naito uh, challenging Kazuchika Okada, the longest reigning IWGP champion, who has held the title since June of 2016. And uh, Tetsuya Naito, he was the winner of last year's uh, G1 Climax Tournament. And this match was the number one contender versus the longest reigning champion. <sighs> Yo, this match took me to church. That's all I gotta say. I'm not a I'm not a religious man. Not at all. I'm not a spiritual man, but this match took me to wrestling church. Mm. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, high spots. Technical, you know, technical in-ring skill. Mm. It, this match had it all. Brawling. Yep. This match had it all. Yes, it did. Um, there were some awesome spots. Like, for example, um, Okada hit the sick DDT. Uh, the spike, yeah, the spike DDT. Um, the Naito's uh, back hurricanrana. Oh, the reverse hurricanrana. The, the, the reverse hurricanrana off the top rope. Yep. Um, like, I can't even tell. It's just oh. so much. It's just so much to highlight. Get on it and watch it. Yeah, uh, this was like if you want to if you want to understand the art of professional was, wrestling. Uh, thank you. Yes, art. Yes, it was. I have heard many old school professional wrestlers have, re- you know, referred to their wrestling as they're painting the picture that they are um, that they are creating art. Yep. This exemplifies that yes, this is the does. epitome of what they are talking about 
Yeah, and this is like great wrestling storytelling here too. Like uh, you had um, Okada hit uh, Naito with his rainmaker finishing finishing yeah. move, which is a which is a sick nasty lariat, like a hammerlock into a clothesline from hell. Yeah, so it comes out like out of nut. So it's like it's coming, but it's like it's so fast you don't even have enough time to even like duck or react. And it was- yeah. Yeah, and then uh, um, then you had uh, Okada hit some of the best crispest drop kicks in the business um, on, on Naito. The Naito hit his hit him with the, his Destino finisher, yeah. which is kind of similar to um, Kalisto's Selena Del Sol. Yeah. Um, Okada still managed to kick out. Uh, you had Okada hit the Tombstone pile driver a couple of times. Yep, even the Zangief variation where he spins around in, in midair. Undertaker still got the best one. Uh, I, I, okay, I won't dispute that. I mean, because he isn't—he is the Undertaker, even though he his, shut up. His hips shut kick, up. His hips shut up. Prevents shut him up from hitting shut the move. <laughs> but um, but at the end, man, I fully expected Tetsuya Naito to finally win the championship. But at the end, Okada still retained with one one more well placed Rainmaker. Pinned him in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. Both men were exhausted, spent. They gave, they left it all in the ring. And you know what? There, for for Naito, there was no shame in losing no. this match. None at all. Not even for Jericho. No, not even for Jericho too. Yeah. And in, and and in fact, you know what? I, in fact, um, I, I did see some footage. Like uh, I think they had an event the next night, um, where Jericho actually attacked Tetsuya Naito yeah, from behind. So apparently, they're gonna set up a program of their own too. So. A, a Naito Jericho match—that's another match of the year right there. So what I can't do you, wait. What do you think of what's possibly happened since Jericho is still under contract with WWE? Mm-hmm. See, we hate we Vince is the worst, but he's smart. He's gonna sing send somebody well known like Jericho over there, mm-hmm. recruit some talent to either a. Recruit talent, have them join, get signed, join NXT or whatever, or just bring some of them cats over and have some five star quality rat- matches for WrestleMania. It's hey, you know like what? Possibly a Jericho Omega Two at WrestleMania. Ooh. Yo, like I, you know, what? I don't, I like personally, I, I think Omega is too good for WWE, right? Because WWE would would kind of would. would they would, they would. I want to say that they wouldn't miss, they wouldn't misuse him, but I will say that like they'll give him the Nakamura treatment on the main roster. They'll turn him into just another face in the crowd, right. which is a big insult. And I, th- which is why I say Omega's too good for for WWE. But if if they could give Jericho an, an Omega or, or Omega that that one match contract for WrestleMania, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in for that, and then you, and then you, then you complement that with AJ Styles versus, versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the champ for the WWE Championship. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, they yeah. can do, they can do that. And money talks. Money does talk, and then and then not to mention you got Finn Balor and the you know Anderson and Gallows reunited as the Balor Club, yeah, aka the, WWE's Bullet the Club, cl- yeah, the Club. Mm-hmm. I I rather refer to it as the Club. We all know it's the Bullet Club. But I'll just. I'd rather just call it the club. Just I don't know when they call it Balor Club, it just seems like all right. It's just Finn Balor. Yeah, like he's the like the star of the show, and I'm like, yo, the other guys are just as good. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I can kind of see that. But yeah, man, I, I, I all I gotta WrestleMania has a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I will say this. It does, but like, it's like 
WrestleMania 34 has a lot to live up to. In fact, I, I got to say this, though. WrestleMania, in fact, like not just WrestleMania, but WWE's main roster pay-per-views, they can't even live up to NXT's pay-per-views. So what makes you think that they can live up to Wrestle Kingdom? From New Japan Pro Wrestling. Listen, they put it all on the they put it all out there on WrestleMania. So I don't. It could happen. It could happen. I mean, I'll I'll say this though: like AJ Nakamura for the championship will can match anything on Wrestle Kingdom's card if they let AJ and Nakamura do their thing, like unencumbered by the WWE style. Right. So, you know, I, I'm I'm still looking forward to WrestleMania 34. But Wrestle Kingdom 12 sets the bar high. If if there are any other matches that exceed any of these matches as match as my number one match of the year, then you know 2018 is a great year for wrestling. Good. Yeah. Definitely good. So, yeah. so the yeah. hell you been up to? We pretty much been up to the same shit. Yeah, pretty much. Like uh yeah. Um as for, as for me, like uh, uh John Haponic, resident supervillain, has joined, so Welcome, John, to the podcast. Boo! I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. Um, oh, and John. oh, and uh, and and happy birthday, John! Uh, this week was his birthday. Oh, this week! Yeah. Right, happy birthday, John! And congratulations to Eddie. He had a he had a brand new baby girl this week. Ah, uh, uh, congratulations, man! Baby Luna. Awesome, awesome! Congrats! Yeah, man, doing big things, doing big things. Yeah, but go on. But I can tell you, I I stay interrupting. Oh, that's that's fine. Like, um, okay. Well, not, <laughs> okay. I mean, like in moderation. Yeah, in moderation. Like, uh, like this this week's episode is a kind of like a recap from what we did on our hiatus. So you know, and we'll get into some of the the headlines in a bit. But for me, I've I've been catching up on a bunch of movies um, as usual, as per usual. Uh, this past weekend, I've been get, I've been getting over this cold uh, since. I was shoveling snow for three hours. Thanks for th- thanks for, to this godforsaken blizzard. I hate New England weather so much. Oh my god! Let me tell you something. The wi- the wind was blowing the snow so hard, like it was stinging my face. Yeah, yeah, like like you know how cold evaporates moisture. Like yeah. I was outside shoveling and my eyes got watery. Oh my face! My face was entirely wet and the snow was knee deep. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I had to jump. Like everybody's actually watching me like jump into the snow and stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is inco- snow is inconvenient. Hell yeah, yeah. Like I I have my hatred for New England snow and winter runs deep, deep. Yeah, mine too. I yeah. I, I will not dispute that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Besides that, I've been catching up on a whole bunch of movies. Um, in fact, I caught two new movies uh, yesterday and today. Uh, yesterday, I caught this uh, movie that just came out in Rhode Island. It's called I Tanya. I think I saw like an ad for that on Facebook. Is Margot Robbie in it? Yep, Margot okay, Robbie. Go ahead. Yep, Margot Robbie. She stars as Tanya Harding, and uh, Allison Janney stars as uh, her mother, and also um, Sebastian Stan, who we know as uh, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yep, he stars as a. Uh, um, What's his name? Uh, Jeff Gillowy, who was uh, Tanya Harding's abusive douchebag uh, boyfriend turned husband. And and you remember the Tanya Harding, uh, Nancy Kerrigan scandal, right? I was getting ready to ask that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie focuses on Tanya Harding and her family and her circle and, and that whole scandal and how it kind of affected all of them. And I, Tanya, stars Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding and how the film kind of depicts, well, explores her upbringing in, uh, in Oregon. And how she grew up as basically 
in basically poor white trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up with a, a, a with an abusive, emotionally dead mother, played by Allison Janney, who was magnificent in her role. Like she was a completely she was a completely miserable c word. That's okay. that's how awful she was. And um, and Margot Robbie, she plays this she plays Tanya Harding, who's this this woman who's um, who basically. All her, her her whole life was figure figure skating. In fact, like in fact, her mother was so driven and so abusive emotionally and physically that she actually took her out of school from a young age to have her solely focus on figure skating as like her as her own personal school, like her school, her career, like eat, sleep, figure skate, repeat. That was her life from the age of three to like when she was when she came of age and beyond. And so throughout the whole film, you see her you know, learning her craft and also like, you know, navigating her, her troubled upbringing, also navigating her troubled and terrible marriage to this guy, Jeff, played by Sebastian Stan, who abuses her and like puts her in this complete cycle of abuse where like he abuses her, hits her, then they have sex and it's like, oh, I'll never do it again. And then like she hits her, hits her again. Then the cycle continues. Vicious cycle of abuse and, and toxic relationships. Okay, first off, okay, I had to look up who Allison Janney was, but now I remember her. She played the... Uh... The guidance counselor who was writing a sex novel in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yep. So, and then John Aponic says, he asked, was she better as Harley Quinn? No. I will say Margot Robbie was better as Tanya Harding. And, and, and she, and you know, and to be fair, Margot Robbie, she was good as Harley Quinn, but good, good was about it. And you know, Suicide Squad was a trash movie. But anyway. You're not going to get, first of all, look how long it took for him to finally admit that. That BVS was awful. I know. He's I know. gonna fight. He's gonna fight for Suicide Squad for at least about a good another good year. Yeah, yeah. Until 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 Warner Brothers reboots the entire DCEU. But anyway, um, but I Tanya was a was a fantastic movie, and Margot Robbie. This was for me like her, her best performance that I've seen her that I've seen her pull off. And Margot Robbie's a, a gifted actress, and and this one is no exception. Where where her character like the movie gives you gives. It makes you sympathetic enough to her plight in that, yeah, she's a victim of abuse and that, you know, she's been manipulated a lot and then and that, how that kind of turns in, turns her into a toxic person. But at the same time, you know, you also, you also don't feel t- entirely, entirely too sorry for her either because, you know, she's also manipulative in her own right. She blames everybody but herself for her own problems. And, you know, and like... She's an Oscar winner whatever but um <laughs> but uh and, and at the same time it's like it's like you feel for her but at the same time you know just how rotten she can be and how rotten she is and that's and that's also due to the circle of people that she has around her that enables her nastiness so it's like a feedback loop of like nastiness and just manipulation that just like eats her alive mm. and in and the film does touch on the whole Nancy Kerrigan incident where it turns out that for years I thought when I was when I first heard the scandal I thought Tanya Harding herself actually hit Nancy Kerrigan but no it turns out that her husband manipulated him manipulated well, her to do it no, her husband actually, her husband and her husband's friend actually hired some other guy, a friend, a friend of a friend, to to actually do the job. So a friend of a friend, this, this guy is like Steve Shane or or something or other, like actually traveled all all the way to Detroit uh, to one of Nancy Kerrigan's uh, practice sessions, mm-hmm. and then when she was coming off the rink, uh, this the guy followed her. Sean Eckhart. Yeah, that's the guy, and um, the guy followed her. Took a a, a a billy club, a baton, 
whacked her right above the knee. And um, and the aftermath was captured where Nancy Kerrigan was crying like why why, and then the and then that whole thing turned into a huge media circus. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was like that was like a, that was actually like the big media circus story right before the O.J. Simpson Simpson case, and and when you see that, you kind of see how the how Tanya Harding started to become a punchline even even back then, where yeah she was a gifted figure skater, but at the same time like she was her own biggest worst her own worst enemy like she couldn't get out of her own way and and on, at the same time you can, you can kind of see how that was impossible for her because like not just her manipulative family and her abusive husband but also like when she was competing in contests mm-hmm. like judges were like unfairly biased against her because they were like well yeah you, you, we know we know deep down you have the skills in fact we dare say you are the best but figure skating is also about presenting a certain image like we want to present an all-American girl, like an all-American, you know, goody two-shoes, like her- heroine, not some poor white trash, you know, oh, and that and that goes against our narrative, and so Tanya Hardy had to compete against that bias too. So you can kind of see how how this movie's version of her kind of you know was always fighting an uphill battle that she couldn't hope to win really. So the whole film I Tanya is a fascinating film. Uh, I highly recommend watching it. It is in theaters now in Rhode Island. Um, Margot Robbie gives her best performance. Allison Janney, she actually won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. And she plays a thoroughly unlikable mother. And like a a woman that that you just you just want to take you just want to pull the plug on her pull the oxygen pull the plug on the oxygen tank and you know just watch her suffocate because she's just that unlikable. Did you cry? No, not at all. Okay. Well, Nick Quattrini said I wanted to see this like. I wanted to see this, saw like 10 trailers for it, had no idea it had to do with Rhode Island. Was it filmed there? I'll admit, I also want I also want to see that Billy G. King film, Battle of the Sexes. Emma Stone is really good. Um, I haven't really. I haven't seen Battle of the Sexes. I heard that was really good too. Um, uh, I tell you, it didn't it, it 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 didn't it wasn't filmed in Rhode Island, but it I just said that like it actually is currently playing in Rhode Island. Uh-huh. Um, it's playing at the uh, Showcase Cinemas Warwick on Quaker Lane, but I think it's starting. To, it's going to open up in in more Rhode Island theaters this Friday, so you might watch it at, at, at other theaters like like Lincoln and Seekonk and others. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's a great film. And another film that I did ch- that I did catch this uh, this morning, it's a film uh, which is uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, and this is his Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut, and it's called Molly's Game. And Molly's game stars Jessica Chastain and uh, Idris Elba, and uh, this actually uh, tells a true story of Molly Bloom, played by Jessica Chastain, who was a former uh, Olympic skier, who uh, who um, who actually uh, ran the who actually ran this uh, high stakes poker game in Los Angeles and New York, mm-hmm. and she like and she like had like high profile celebrities come in and play like uh, like power brokers, business people, and whatnot, and uh, she ran she ran this like this off the books casino high stakes poker game for like nearly 10 years and uh she before being arrested by the FBI because like you know they said that you know she was running an, an illegal poker game illegal casino so to speak and the and the whole film like Jessica Chastain she gives a commanding assertive you know driven performance uh one of one of my favorites from her and Idris Elba plays her lawyer her her her, her attorney who represents her and and the film is great it's just full of that Aaron sort that great Aaron Sorkin dialogue, witty and, you know, very clever wordplay, just like sharp writing throughout. Uh, the film's like 
like two hour, two and a half hours long nearly, but it's very engaging from start to finish. Um, Michael Cera, Michael Cera is in it. He he plays he plays a a guy named uh, Player X, who is actually a composite. He is actually a, a composite character. He represents uh, the many uh, actors that Molly Bloom dealt with, you know, as poker players. Like like Michael Cera represents uh, people such as Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, and other actors who 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 were involved in Molly Bloom's games. And what was cool is that. Um, you know, you got to see what drives her character, and uh, also you kind of see like her relationship with her dad, played by Kevin Costner, okay. who was a guy who was like, who was like very stern, very stern, and very, I wouldn't say, definitely not abusive, but a guy who was always expecting greatness from his kids, and like he was a very stern taskmaster. And In other words, a Joe Jackson. Not not like a Joe Jackson. Not, uh, not like, you know, minus the beatings. J- yeah, minus the beatings, basically, right. yeah. And uh, and basically, like, his whole rationale was like, well, well, you know, I expect greatness from my kids. And then, like, and later on in the film, he goes, well, your brothers turned out great. You turned out great. So I did, so I know I, I know I did something right. So, like, Kevin Costner, like, his character is the type of guy who would who would never admit when he's wrong. And then when you then when you get his back on back against the wall and, and get him to admit that he's wrong, he'll still find a way to turn it against you. It kind of, he's kind of like that type of person, and like, and you know, it, it was an interesting role to, to see Kevin Costner play, and um, also, um, also like I said, like the the direction was great. It was solid. It was definitely a solid debut from Aaron Sorkin because you're, you're used to seeing him um, write write stuff like the newsroom, uh, the Social Network, among mm-hmm. others. And you know he he did he did a solid job directing and Jessica Chastain you know she it was a she's a fantastic actress and you know this was a great performance from her as well and um, if you're a fan of like sharp dialogue and an interesting story to boot that's based in real based on real life definitely check out Molly's Game It's playing in theaters now okay yeah all right so anything else uh, other stuff um, let's see I, I started watching Black Mirror um, I gotta start watching that. Yeah, it's it's a really good show. Um, I start. I've, I've only watched two episodes so far. Uh, it's, it's like an anthology series, so it's like the Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. But like a darker, with a darker, more modern edge. Like oh, right. like everything takes place in like the present day. Um, I definitely recommend you watch the first episode because the first episode is. <laughs> it's a, yeah, just by looking at your face, it just has Victor Amoyo written all over it. Can I tell you what the first episode of Black Mirror is about? Nope. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'm 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 just dying. I'll 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 be tell the fans at least. I'm telling the listeners. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar with Black Mirror, uh, each episode is its own self-contained story, much like the Twilight Zone, and it's sort of like a commentary on our on our modern you know tech-based tech-focused society. And so the first episode deals with the Prime Minister of Britain. And he gets a um, he gets a, a video from one of the royals who was kidnapped, and um, and uh, the kidnapper offers a demand. He says that the the kidnapper says, "Okay, I will I will release this royal, this member of the royal family unharmed, if you, Mister Prime Minister, film yourself fucking a pig on camera." That yeah. Yeah, and 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 it gets we and that's when sh- and and it gets weirder from there. So that's the premise for the first episode of Black Mirror. So uh, yeah, strap in, Carl. There's more. 
There's so much more I could I, tell you. Could, yeah. You a little too happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You need some sunshine in your life, man. Oh, I have sunshine. Plenty. But um, Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to catch more Black Mirror episodes. Um, I did watch one of, the, one of the new episodes from the current season, which came out a couple weeks back, and uh, which, which was very, very thought-provoking. Um, the less I'll say about that, the better. Wait, um, what is this? Uh, what? What are you talking about as of right now? Uh, Black Mirror. Oh, okay. the the new episode. Oh, okay. No, I was reading the chat. We got we got a few uh, responses on the chat. I was oh, um, John Haponic asked, uh, "Did the Star Trek episode meet the hype?" Uh, I have not seen the Star Trek episode of Black Mirror, but I really want to. In fact, I'll watch it maybe after this podcast. Okay. And then Eddie says, "You guys got to watch Happy on the Sci Fi Network. It's awesome." Who who's I've I, you know, I've seen a commercial for that right after Raw. Yeah, who the Christopher Maloney's in it, right? I mm. I, I think uh, Christopher Maloney stars in Happy because it it look it, it looks genuinely interesting, and I do want to catch that actually. So thank you, Eddie, for uh, uh, mentioning that show. Um, but yeah, uh, Black Mirror, check it out. Um, I've also caught a few episodes of Rick and Morty. Did you? <laughs> I did. So big shout outs to Afton, because uh, she was a recommended that show to us for weeks. Weeks I, for for a grip. Yeah. So yeah, I, Christopher Maloney is in. In Happy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. In that case, yeah. So I'll definitely watch that. Uh, so yeah, I watched a few episodes of Rick and Morty from from the from the first season, and yeah, I can see why people love that show. That show is absurd. It's nasty. It's clever. It's uh, it's definitely right up my alley. And uh, I think it'll be right up your alley, too. You should definitely check it out. All right. It's on Hulu, so I can... Oh, yeah. Um, and also, I finally got to watch uh, the first season and the and the first episode of the second season of F is for Family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. What you think? I love that show. <laughs> I told you. You knew I knew you would. Yo. Oh, man. F is for family is fucking great, man. You did not leave the house these past few. Oh, I I didn't leave the house much for the past few days. No, you watched a lot. I did, yo. Like F is for family had me dying. Oh my god, yo. Especially <laughs> when the party says, "Hey, be nice to your sister. You're gonna be sleeping on our couch after your first divorce." <laughs> <laughs> yo, the part that damn near had me passing out was where where young Bill was underneath his parents' bed. <laughs> when, when they had when they when they had their argument, and then when they were having sex, and then Bill and then young Bill catches a glimpse that no kid should ever see of their parents, and that's all I'll ever say. And then it's a sight that that will haunt him for the rest or, of his yeah. life. And then like the next scene, the parents are trying to be all coy. It's like, oh, I see, I see you eating a lot there, Bill. And then Bill's like, and then like Bill's father's like, yeah, I got, I got quite the workout. And they're like, and they're all like giggling, like all being coy. And then all of a sudden, Bill goes. Bill just, just just vomits all over his face. Like <laughs> that shit had me. <laughs> keep wa- keep watching. Yo, keep watching. did you get to the point where he says when um the poor kid was holding up the white sheet? He goes, "This is what my dad wears to his ghost meetings." <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, and then and then you have a uh, Sam Rockwell who voices his next door neighbor Vic, the, yeah. hi- the hippie. Oh my god, yo! That I can't wait to finish the second season. Yeah, of fin- that show. finish it. It's very. It's, you can get. You can get through it quick. Yeah, 
I will say though, like yo, Bill's a his boss is a complete fat douche. Yeah. Although I will say that it was sweet justice where he dropped his keys in his car in front of him, but he's yeah. so fat he couldn't bend down the <laughs> steering wheel, so he had him trapped there. Oh man, that was great. <sighs> I was I was not expecting you to watch that. I thought you was actually going to start Sons of Anarchy, which probably won't happen. Oh, it's a new year. I'll I'll get to it. it, it it'll be my Game of Thrones gap. Come, have a little faith, man. I got to watch F is for Family finally. Yeah. Tyrone's watching. Happy birthday, brother. Yes, happy birthday, Tyrone. So, yeah, man. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Just, I'm glad you watched it. I'm so glad you watched that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, I, I yeah, it's just so, so much, so much good stuff, man. And uh, so much good stuff I just watched. So, yeah. Uh, oh, also, one, one more film that I, that I did watch. It's an, it's an older film. But I, I've, I've been meaning to watch it for years, but I finally got to. It's a film called Hardcore. Uh, it's, it's a film that came, came out in 1979. It's directed by Paul Schrader. And um, if, if, you, if you type in, like, a hardcore meme or, like, a George C., hardcore George C. Scott, who's the main actor, you'll, like, you'll find some memes on that. Because, like, the whole film, uh, George C. Scott, in the film Hardcore, he, he plays this guy who's, like, this very re- religious father uh, who who lives in this uh, this rural community of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, his his daughter runs away. His 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 young his young adult daughter runs away, and he and he and he wants to find out why. So he hires a private detective. He finds out that his daughter is involved in some porno movies, and uh, there's a scene. Well, yeah, and there's a scene where uh, George C. Scott and the private detective, played by Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle takes him to this uh, abandoned theater. He goes, well, I did find out where your daughter is, and there's something you should see, and it's not very, and I don't think you'll like it. So, wh- yeah, that's one of the one of the many many spots. I just Google it. Yeah, that was a real place, by the way. Um, so um, there's a scene where uh, George T. Scott he's 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 sitting in this abandoned theater, and the private detective shows him the the footage of his daughter in this porno movie, and um, and George C. Scott's looking at the screen. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Turn it off. Turn it off. Like he's watching his daughter like, get plowed? By two dudes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, like. like Something no father should ever see. Yeah. And, like, that, that scene alone, that scene alone was actually the source of many memes so if you go on YouTube, and, yeah, I just yeah, I googled it. Yeah, that and it's like turn it off, and it's and and the whole movie you kind of see him going on this on his one man quest to rescue his daughter from the CD porn industry of the nineteen seventies because the film took uh, the film came out in nineteen seventy nine, and the film was the film was a trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. yep, that's the one. Uh, George C. Scott watches Ghostbusters trailer too. <laughs> I'm not gonna see it because of the delay, but yeah, that's 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 the screen cap. But yeah, Hardcore was a really interesting film, and um, yeah, I recommend I recommend it, uh, recommend it for anyone who wants to. Okay, they can see it. To yeah, who wants to check out uh, a, an older film, especially by Paul Schrader, who also wrote one of my all-time favorite films by Martin Scorsese, Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. Yeah, so check it out, Hardcore, an oldie but goodie. So yeah, that's a that's pretty much. Pretty much what I've what I've been doing, yeah. And during this hiatus, and uh, 
I guess before we get to the question of the week, should we run down the uh, the news and headlines? Few of them, yeah. Yeah. So we got some news and headlines to run down uh, this week. Uh, first off, um, coming out hot off the presses, uh, this past Sunday was the 75th annual Golden Globe Awards. I call it like the tail end of Oprah's speech. Yeah, I, I, which was very good. I end up seeing it like later on. I end up seeing it later on, and yeah, yeah. Oprah, you know, big ups to Oprah. Oh yeah, Oprah Winfrey. She won the C- Cecil B. DeMille Award, Lifetime Achievement Award. So big ups to her. She had an excellent speech. Um, also, Seth Meyers had a great uh, opening monologue as well. I like Seth Meyers. He's cool. Oh yeah. Uh, so the big winners of of the seventy fifth Golden Globe Awards this past Sunday was. Um, <clears throat> Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. It won four Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture Drama, uh, Best Actress for Frances McDormand, Best Supporting Actor, uh, uh, Sam Rockwell, and Best Screenplay from Martin McDonough, who also directed. Thought of you once I once I saw that it won. Yeah. Uh, the Shape of Water uh, also won two Golden Globes, one for Best Director for, from Guillermo del Toro, big ups to, to him, and Best Original Score by Alexandra Desplat, which has, and, and The Shape of Water does have a wonderful score, so check that out on Spotify. Uh, Gary Oldman won Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for Darkest Hour. Gary Oldman, one of our great actors. Uh, James Franco also won Best Actor in a Comedy for The Disaster Artist, playing Tommy Wiseau. Uh, Allison Janney won for I, Tanya for Best Supporting Actress. Coco won Best Animated Feature Film. There did was... you cry? I did not cry when it won. <laughs> give, me a, give me a break. But there was no better choice. Um, also for television, The Handmaid's Tale won two awards. For Best TV Series Drama and Best Actress in a TV Series Drama, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, Sterling K. Brown made history for winning for Best Actor in a TV Series Drama for This This Is Us. Randall. Yep. Sterling K. Brown, he became the first black actor to win this award for Best Actor in a TV Series Drama for Golden Globes. Also, Aziz Ansari also made Golden Globes history for winning for Master of None for Best... I keep hearing that's very good, Master of None. Yeah, I heard it was good. I haven't seen it yet myself. Uh, he won for Best Actor in a TV Series uh, Musical or Comedy, He becoming the first Asian, Asian actor to win that award. Also, Big Little Lies on HBO won, be- won for Best TV Movie or Limited Series, and also won for Best Actress Nicole Kidman, and Best Supporting Actor Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård, and Best Supporting Actress Laura Dern. And I got- why is this making winning awards? Um, Wait, is that Alexander S- Skarsgård who played Pennywise in the new it? No, that was Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I knew it was in that family. Yep. So yeah, yeah, big big ups to the Golden Globe winners. And I will say this though, um, be off the strength of of uh, Oprah Winfrey's speech, there has been some talk already of of Oprah Winfrey going for a presidential run in twenty twenty. Boondocks predicted it. They did. They really did. Actually, um, I gotta say this though, just as a quick aside. Oh, Jesus. I love Oprah Winfrey, ever since the color purple. You know, great actress, great media mogul. But but with that being said, no celebrities should run for the office of the presidency of the United States of America. If you have no political or military experience, you have no goddamn business running for the highest office in the land. Sit your ass down and get some get some local political experience. Start off locally as mayor, governor, alderman. 
congressperson, lieutenant governor, something. Don't you can't shoot your way to the top. Nobody. I I I can't. Reagan I can't. did. What? Ronald Reagan was an actor first. Yeah, but he was also. But he was uh, he was governor of California first. He was an actor. Then he became governor. Okay. Then he became president. So he did oh, okay. it properly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I can't walk. That I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, but now you know history. Hey, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, for example, I can't walk into a McDonald's and ask for a managerial position like that. No, I got to work from the fry cook, fry cook position and work my way up to managerial or assistant manager. All right, nobody can walk into the WWE and become the WWE World Heavyweight Champion just like that. Well, okay, that's that's kind of a wonky. <laughs> okay, think about it. Think about that one. It's kind of a wonky example, but but you get my point. All right, nobody starts at the top. Can we get off of politics now? All right, yeah, that's all I got to say. Calm your ass down. I, I just had to get that off my happy chest. Happy thoughts. Yeah, happy thoughts. Okay. Speaking of happy thoughts, uh, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan wants to play Batgirl in Joss Whedon's upcoming Batgirl film for the DCEU. What'd you think of that? Lindsay Lohan as Barbara Gordon. I mean, sure. Me not being a DC fan as it is, and they're already going to a down they're already on a downward spiral shit at this point why the hell not <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair i did get i did get um i did when i posted the article um shout out to cowboy bill he said he thinks that Victor- victoria justice mm-hmm. should play should be the one to play batgirl yeah why not at this point why not yeah Who cares? i mean they gotta do something well i think that uh dceu they're actually gonna they're actually going to officially reboot the whole universe with the Flashpoint movie. So they're going to use the Flash to go back in time and like erase that un- erase the current universe and, and keep Wonder Woman. And then it's just, just move forward and pretend like BVS and Suicide Squad never happened and Justice League. Oh, it happened. We will never forget. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Lindsay Lohan, you know what? I say why not? I, I think it's a bold choice. And I think if Lindsay Lohan could pull it off as Barbara Gordon, sure, I'll, I'll be there. Why not? And and Joss Whedon is a good writer and director. Nick <coughs> Katrina says, "Yeah, I don't, I don't want no Kanye West in 2020. I trust Will Smith. He's got acting and government experience. Cough, Men in Black. <laughs> oh man, yeah. And Eddie Ortiz also said, DCEU needs to do Flashpoint movie and reset. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, and also, um, this is some, in our next headline. Uh, this is a, this is one for John Haponic, and I'm sure John Haponic would love this headline here. Uh, Netflix's Bright is getting a sequel. I've heard that, and I n- I never saw Bright. I've been wanting to watch it. I haven't. I just haven't had the chance to. I've had the chance to, but I just I just couldn't drum up enough interest to do so. I've but, heard good things about it. Mm, well. Despite scores of bad reviews from critics, uh, Bright was... Oh, fuck them bougie critics. Oh, come on now. Uh, Bright was the number one movie on Netflix in over 190 countries since its release nearly three weeks ago on December 22nd. Uh, In its first three days of release, Nielsen reports an average of 11 million U.S. Netflix subscribers watched it. Now, when it comes to that, I got to say this. When they say that 11 million subscribers watched it, do they mean that they watched the whole film? Did they watch it in part, or did it just, or or was it a case where like they they turned it on by accident and like, oh, I don't want to watch that, and then like two seconds later they watch something else? Does that still count? I don't no, know. No, that's a good question. Yeah, so we we gotta dig deeper on that. 
Um, Bright uh, cost Netflix $90, $90 million to make, which is the most money that they've spent on a project as of yet. Um, but which, which isn't a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Well, for compared to what we're used to seeing, like we we're used to watching like these big budget superhero movies. So mm-hmm. compared to what we're used to, that wasn't what we're used to. It's not a really a lot. Yeah, I think what the first Deadpool was what sixty mil, about fifty sixty million. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Haponic says that Bright was unwatchable. He did watch the movie. He did tell me how awful it was. Um, I, think uh, I really trust what John Aponic said. No, no, I, 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 we have our disputes. No, I mean, I, I got to give it up to John on this one. I mean, this movie has had terrible reviews from critics. It currently sits at twenty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Correct. I mean, usually Rotten Tomatoes is correct. BVS. Yeah, BVS, Suicide Squad, Iron Fist, Justice League. Yeah, yeah, Mostly. but. Uh, Pretty much anything DC puts out. Yeah, since 2013. Yeah, yeah with Man of Steel. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll give Bright a shot. You got, it's worth a shot. Uh, so just so we, just so I can review it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not too eager though. I'll just, that's all. That's all I gotta say. Um, also, some other headline. Some another headline that should get people eager uh, is that Warner Brothers names Walter Hamada as the new DC Films president. Uh, Hamada, uh, he worked as a production executive at WB's New Line Cinema division for over ten years, and he worked on such films as The Conjuring and its spinoff series Annabelle. Uh, Hamada also worked on It from last year and The Gallows. Uh, as DC Films president, uh, Walter Hamada will oversee all of DC DC's comic book movie adaptations, and he is replacing former co-presidents John Berg and Jeff Johns. So, p- potential step in the right direction, it seems. Keyword, potential. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know what, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that DC will will, you know, get its act together, and I'm hoping that they do, because... You know, with like I said, with with Disney buying up Fox recently, yo, we need some great competition, and WB is the only viable competition that that's out there. So they need to step their game up in a major way. Yeah. You know. Uh, also, Universal. Uh, well, I don't think Universal has any. Well, they do have the Hulk. The Hulk as like the yeah the rights the the yeah, rights, the film rights so. yeah. But I don't know. Maybe Image. Well, I don't know, but we'll we'll see. Um, some other news here. Uh, Gail Simone, uh, she's gonna be writing. She's gonna be Gail Simone Helms. Gail Simone Helms, the new Domino series oh, for Marvel. I that was her name. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, Gail Simone, she's gonna be the head writer of a new Domino comic series for Marvel, and this will be her first published work for Marvel since Agent X into Agent X in 2003. Uh, Simone has mostly worked with DC Comics on titles such as Batgirl, Birds of Prey, Secret Six, and, of course, Wonder Woman. Uh, Domino will make her live-action debut in Deadpool 2 this June, and she'll be portrayed by Zazie Beetz. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'll read it. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I will say that Marvel, like, their, as far as their comics go, like, it's not, as, it's not as interesting as DC Rebirth, but, you know, with this Domino series coming out especially written by gail simone i will give it a shot and um not to mention i've read the i've been reading the uh punisher versus deadpool 
Mm-hmm. It's actually not that bad. It's very. It's what you expect out of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's like the. Um, well, I still got one more issue left. So when I'm done with that, I'll give them to a full review. Nice. And also too with a uh, DC Rebirth. Um, um, it, like I said, if if you if y'all haven't if you guys have not been following any of the DC Rebirth titles like Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. Uh, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns. Yo, you guys are missing out on some quality comics, dude. Because, yo, Rebirth is killing it. And right now, I just started their conclusion to the DC Rebirth. They started their new their new uh, 12-part miniseries called Doomsday Clock. And I got the first two issues from Rococo's uh, just before the storm hit. You went before? Oh, yeah, you did tell me you was going. Yeah. And, um, and Doomsday Clock, it, it, it actually... Uh, it actually officially uh, introduces the Watchmen into the DC universe, so oh, okay. to, to wrap up the whole Rebirth storyline. And yo, so far it's it's been great. Doomsday Clock has been really great. And yo, did you start Saga Volume Eight? Not yet. Oh, okay. Not yet, but I will. Uh, so yeah, get it, get out, get on the DC Rebirth train if you haven't done so already. And that segues into our final headline here. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis is now officially a DC Comics writer. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis made the announcement on his Twitter page on January 2nd. Uh, he, is ra- he is wrapping up several Marvel titles on his way out towards DC, including Invincible Iron Man, Issue 600, Miles Morales, Spider-Man 2, The Defenders, and Jessica Jones. Uh, Bendis has been writing for Marvel for over 17 years with the debut of Ultimate Spider-Man in 2000. So this is a major boon for DC Comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, Godspeed. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, like I said, like DC Comics, when it comes to their, their, their comics and trades, they've been killing it. Like Marvel can't even touch DC when it comes to comics. They and good stuff. Oh, Marvel they, does have good stuff. Oh, Secret yeah, Empires, do. but I've, I've been trying to like get the main se- the main series of that, and I just can't find it. Yeah, but I've heard that's been that's been like really good. Oh yeah, like um, like with Brian Michael Bendis, like doing great work with Marvel, and now p- applying his craft and trade to DC. <sighs> Yo, we're gonna get some hot fire in the months to come, for sure. Sure. So like like right now, right now is the perfect time to get back on the DC Comics train. Like you can you can you can ignore the DCEU movies. They're hot garbage, but the comics themselves, like the trades and the and the series that I just mentioned, get on those. If you're a comics fan, even with a casual interest, get on those titles as soon as you can. All right. Yeah. So that, that wraps it up for the uh news and headlines and John Haponic, uh, real quick, he did mention a uh, Bendis did the definitive Daredevil uh, comics run. Yes, he did, right. and uh, he had it. And he said, uh, uh, he, "Bendis had an amazing forty-issue run." Absolutely, he did. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, like, he's he definitely is a, he, he definitely is the definitive Daredevil comics writer. Absolutely. Good shit. Yeah. So now, question of the week. So we didn't have one for the you know for the since the last episode. So, and you know. We can't always feel, go on talk about the best. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we like to dig into the worst. So okay, what was the worst superhero movie that you have ever seen? That I've ever the seen. Worst. Catwoman. That was bad. Yeah, Catwoman. I actually sat down and I watched the whole goddamn thing on television, and. 
You know what? Holly Berry. Holly Berry's always been my my cinematic bay. She was just. She was there just for just because. She was. Hey, Holly. Hey, Catwoman. Holly Berry. Let's put them together and we'll, let's try to make some money. Yeah, and this is the movie that she made. What three years after she won her Oscar for Monsters Ball? Ball? This is what you follow up with. My Monsters Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Chappelle show. God damn it, Carl. You, you should, yeah, but you, you know what? You knew it was coming. I didn't know it was coming, actually. But yeah, Catwoman was the absolute worst. Like You had like visual effects that looked like they came straight out of a PS2 game. Uh, you had a nonsensical plot which involved an evil cosmetics, cosmetics company. And then Sharon Stone, she, she applied this makeup which turned her face into stone. And she had to apply it constantly. And that kind of gave her superpowers, I think, which... I don't, I don't know, I don't know. This this movie was a goddamn mess. It, it, it felt like it felt like a movie. It felt like a parody movie that 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 you would see on like Funny or Die, except it was serious and had a multi million dollar budget. Her and leather. That's all you need for marketing, pretty much. Yo, that yo that costume looked ugly as fuck, dude. You gotta admit. Yo, when, when when I think of Catwoman, I think of like Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. I think of the animated version. I think of the Arkham version with the skin tight cat suit. Even Anne Hathaway from Dark Knight Rises. But Holly Berry's Catwoman co- costume, come come on, that did not do her justice at all. Chat. She did it for the chat. Uh-uh. Mine's 2003's Daredevil. Really? I hated that movie. Explain further, please. It was just awful. You have Matt Murdock, who was supposed to be a good lawyer, who lo- who loses every case. The fighting was just like the per- like the lowest budget crouching tiger, hidden dragon you could ever see. God, it was. Like, okay, Eric Banner's Hulk was pretty weak, too. It was. Yeah, it was, Nick. <laughs> it was. And it's like Jennifer Garner's Electra just wasn't. You're not Electra. You're like Gene from down the street. <laughs> like I just saw enough. Like it just didn't do nothing for me. I went. I fell asleep. Well, Luckily, I was working at a movie theater at that time and did not pay for it. Mm-hmm. But it was oh, I like. I left. BVS pissed off. Wow. You you know what? Well, what did you think of Michael Clark Duncan R.I.P. as uh, Wilson Fisk? The kingpin. He to me, he just wasn't kingpin. Mm. Like I know, like a lot of people did like you know, a lot of people did like him as kingpin, but he yeah. just I don't know, I just he didn't really capture it for me. Yeah, I can see that. D'Onofrio definitely like own, he owns that role. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, when I think of kingpin now, I think of D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yeah. Oh, what about Colin Farrell as Bullseye? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That was a terrible oh, villain. Oh my god! In many ways, mm. but I, I will say like uh, Nick, Electra movie was crap. Um, I will say that uh, uh, Nick, I didn't even bother. Listen, I hated Daredevil so much I didn't even bother watching Electra. Well, I, I, Ghost I, Riders one and two didn't like any. Well, I haven't seen the Ghost Rider movies. Um, I fell asleep through those too. Yeah, Nicolas Cage though. I mean, I, I should watch it for the Nicolas Cage factor. Just see how crazy he, what crazy performance he pulls off. But um, there's some good Nicolas Cage movies on. Oh yeah, I did like National Treasure. I haven't seen National Treasure, yeah. but um, I will I will say like in fairness to to Nick Lowry's point, um, the, the 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 director's cut of Daredevil it wasn't bad. It wasn't that bad. 
I don't even want to give it a chance. That that it left a, it left that much of a bad taste. Yeah, and plus, like we already have a great Daredevil with Charlie yeah. Cox, you know, the exactly. Marvel Marvel uh, Netflix universe. So oh, then there's also um, Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. Oh God, that was trash. And then there was a Captain America in the '80s. Oh, it was in 1990. 90, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a part where he stole somebody's car for no reason. Yeah. Um, oh, of course, um, Batman and Robin. I mean, I mean, you, you got to mention Batman and Robin as one of the worst yeah, comic book films. that was. I mean, Arnold, was a- Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. That, talk about miscasting, though. Yeah. The Iceman cometh. Sing louder, sing. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. For the check. Oh, that was strictly for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, that will be on our social medias within a day or two. So, you can uh, email your answers to us or email anything bad nipples. <laughs> yes, the bat nipples. That was a Joel Schumacher t- uh, touch there. It was. Yeah. Why did they have to have a close up on it on their asses though? I think that was a Joel Schumacher touch. That definitely was. Yeah. Um and and then plus like Alicia Silverstone as as Batgirl who was the nineties. Alfred Pennyworth's niece? No. That that was wrong. Right. It was wrong, but I'm like Alicia Silverstone. It was the nineties. Yeah. Clueless. She just, yeah, clueless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Street Fighter with Van Damme. Uh Yeah, that wasn't. It, it, but it does have. It, people do consider it like a cult classic. Yeah, and too, I think Aris liked it. Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> well, or, or or if if he did anything, I thought that I think Aris said that he has like a soft spot for Street Fighter the movie. It's because he's a Street Fighter fan. Yeah, but come on, like even even Aris has to has to admit that like all American guile played by with the muscles from Brussels. Brussels. <laughs> come on now. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it will be on our. <laughs> It will be on. I never can believe it came with all that background. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Okay. All right. That will be on our. That will be on our social medias within a day or two. Also, you can email us at codexprimepodcast at gmail mm-hmm. Send us a five star review on iTunes. Um, yep. SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Oh, and yes, the Chun Li movie was garbage too. Yes. Street. Okay, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. That was yeah. So, uh, uh, she's Stephanie. Stephanie Brown was, is that a DC Comics character? I believe so. Like, maybe a variation of Batgirl? Yeah. Maybe. Hmm, good question. But, uh, but yeah, uh, but yes, thank you all for watching and thank you all for listening. Um, this, we will catch you, uh, next week for episode 105. Uh, once again, Happy New Year to everybody. Hopefully your 2018 will be a much better year than your 2017. We got more hot stuff coming down the pike. Uh, any other final words, Carl? We got a lot of, like you said, you got a lot of stuff coming on. We can't really talk about yet, but mm-hmm. all we got, all you got to do is just keep following and stay tuned. Nerd. Absolutely. So until then, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.